Good morning. I'm glad you could be with me today in our Unfolding the Word studies. We're in the midst of an extended study of 1 John. Over the last couple of days, we've begun looking at the third chapter, verses 4 to 6. And let me read those verses to get us started today. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, because sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. We've been looking at the issue in these verses of sin, the distinction between stumbling into sin and having a lifestyle, a habitual orientation towards sin. We began by talking about sin itself, and we learned in these verses that sin is lawlessness. The translation of the Greek word anomia, which literally means without law. And what does that mean? Well, it describes an individual who believes they have the right to do what they want to do, rather than do what God says to do. It's not so much about ethics as it is about lordship. The Jews were described at the end of the book of Judges in chapter 21-25 in this way. In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They weren't trying to do what was wrong. They were trying to do what was right, but they were determining what that was based on themselves rather than God's truth. Proverbs 14-12 warns us, There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Well. God says, sin at its very heart is lawlessness. Sin is not at its heart an immoral choice. Sin is a rejection of God's rightful role in our lives, which in turn can lead to many moral ethical problems. But the core issue is lawlessness. Now, the Bible tells us that there's a distinction in these verses and other places between stumbling into sin and living with a life pattern of sin. Remember again, sin being determining to do what's right in your eyes rather than in God's eyes. We all know that a believer can stumble into sin. Earlier in 1 John, the end of the first chapter, into the second chapter, we saw that that truth was there, that God says, don't deceive yourself and don't try to deceive me. But if you know Christ as Savior, you can confess your sin as it occurs and receive forgiveness for it and be cleansed from it. And all of that's because we have one who is our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation for our sin. In other words, he lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and shed his blood for our sin to pay for sin. Then if we've turned to him as Savior, his perfect life covers us. But the Bible goes on to say there's a difference between the believer stumbling into sin and receiving forgiveness as a result as they confess it, and someone who persists in a life pattern of doing what's right in their own eyes. A life pattern seemingly content not to do what God says to do. And we ended yesterday by the message that a habit pattern like that cannot exist in the life of a redeemed believer. 
And there's three reasons, which is what I want to look at today. There's three reasons why that habit pattern won't be true in the life of a believer. Stumbling into sin, that will be true at times. A life pattern will not be true. Well, let's get into those three main reasons. The first of these reasons is that when we repent and believe, turn to Christ as Savior, salvation occurs in our life, and that salvation brings with it a new heart. We are born anew. We are changed fundamentally at the deepest level of who we are. And one of the characteristics of that new heart, that changed life, is a desire to grow, a desire to please God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. That old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. We are made new inside. We saw earlier in the book, the believer can still stumble even though they've been made new. But the new heart that we've been given, the born-again condition in which we find ourselves, makes us uncomfortable in sin. It makes us uncomfortable oriented toward rejecting God's authority in our life. It will make us uncomfortable living to do what's right in our own eyes rather than finding out what God's will is and living for his purposes and plan. God has changed us at the deepest level, and that change cannot be ignored in one's life. And to continue to reject God's truth, to reject letting God be the master of our life, is going to make us miserable as people. So that's the first reason. I was thinking how Romans 7 puts it in verses 22 to 23. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, making me a captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. No one, apart from turning to Christ as Savior, would delight in the law of God in the inner man, the deepest level. What they delight in prior to that time is their own will, doing what they want to do. But once we turn to Christ, we've been changed fundamentally. And therefore, our relationship to sin has changed fundamentally. So number one, salvation brings us a new heart. Number two, salvation also brings the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the triune God. The Holy Spirit, who takes up residence in our life, confronts the inclination, the temptation, to do what we want to do. He works within us as a continual warning light. Think of a car with a dashboard with a light that comes on that's a warning light, a signal to let you know something's not right. The Holy Spirit works in our lives to convict us. He convicts us of the tendency toward lawlessness, the tendency toward living to do what's right in our own eyes instead of living surrendered to the purpose and plan of God. And one of the consequences of that is that we simply, as redeemed children of God, cannot be comfortable in consistent carnality. We are miserable. The most miserable people in this world are not those who are unsaved. Their conscience tends to be seared. 
The most miserable people are the saved who are rejecting God's purpose and plan in their life. They are carnal, as the Bible describes them, fleshly. They are miserable because the Holy Spirit conflicts with their new heart, and it conflicts with the Holy Spirit's conviction within them. So a new heart, an indwelling Holy Spirit convicting us of rebellion against God, of lawlessness, and finally, through that same Holy Spirit indwelling our life, we find strength to break the power of sin. We find strength to live differently. We're no longer alone in the struggle, no longer dependent merely on our own strength. And so enablement, conviction, and a new heart combine together to change the nature of our relationship with sin. A new heart, an indwelling Holy Spirit, conviction and power from that indwelling Holy Spirit. All of that works to make sure that over time, there will not be a life pattern of lawlessness. You and I, as redeemed children of God, cannot resist or change the new heart we received. Oh, we can try to ignore it, but we can't change it. We cannot change the indwelling Holy Spirit. We can't send him back out of our life. But we can choose at times to resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And we can at times choose to refuse to surrender our life. That's why we're challenged to present our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord, to be filled with the Spirit, to turn our back on the flesh, because we have choices involved in all of that. But despite those choices, here's the miracle. New hearts indwelling Holy Spirit with conviction and power. That changes the equation, and it explains why a habit pattern of sin simply will not be true in a believer's life. Sin will be, struggling with sin will be, miserableness and carnality could be, but a life pattern of lawlessness cannot exist. Well, join me tomorrow as we continue to look at these verses, because I want to look a little bit more at verse 6. God bless.